0: Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 458 for Tuesday, the 28th of June, 2016. It's nice to see you. I'm Robbie Ferguson, your host, and please help me welcoming our co-host tonight, Kelsey Jensen.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: I let her sit at the desk tonight. Uh, the shelf is reserved for teeny uh, for Microdrome 3.0. How's that? That's
1: all right. Pretty good. And
0: over there in the newsroom, Jeff Weston. Hey. How are you today? I'm wonderful. And you? Good, good. It's going to be a fun show. Tonight, we are going to be continuing our series on logical volume management in Linux. But this time, we're going to step things up and we are going to add another hard drive to our pre existing logical volume group, thereby giving us more hard drive space in our volume. Yay. Kelsey's already nervous. Blazing over. (laughs) Yep. And so it begins.
1: We also wanted to thank you guys for sending in your questions and great comments. We're actually going to be looking at some of those tonight as well.
2: All right. And here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Some hear the term drone and think its payload is not working. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There we go. Computer glitches. Remote controls. They're so old school. I know. All right, we'll pick it right up there. It's okay, because
0: we'll edit that out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Carry on. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Some hear the term drone and think of its payload as something dangerous, but what if drones were used to deliver or collect emergency relief material and supplies? That's what's being tested in New Jersey. An AI-powered robot escaped from the Russian lab that was developing it not once, but twice. Star Trek Renegades has faced some devastating new rules from CBS. And a California woman is being awarded $10,000 from Microsoft because Windows 10 installed itself on her computer. And Boston Dynamics' dog-like robot has seen some major improvements, which make it quieter and even able to help out around the house with tasks like loading the dishwasher. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show.
1: This is Category 5 Technology TV.
0: Welcome to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Boy, oh boy, am I ever excited about tonight. I love doing all this LVM geekery.
1: Yes, and I like trying to... Figure out what's going on. Are you
0: are you keeping up? <laughs> I'm
1: trying. You're trying. All
0: right. There will be a quiz after the show, Kelsey. So you know, stick around. Pick option Yay. C. <laughs> what's that, Jeff? I said pick option C <laughs> every time. It's always right. Uh, okay. Well, big seller on our website uh, this week. Now, uh, it's funny. I I noticed that a lot of these mugs were selling. Not these mugs, but mugs on our website. I'm going to show you in just a second. Um, but it made me look at these mugs that we have here in the studio, and these apparently have become collector's items or something crazy like that because they're charging, this is not us, this is the the uh, company that manufactures them, they're charging $76 per mug. What? <laughs> so needless to say, they're not selling like hotcakes right now, <laughs> but there is, a, there is actually a color-changing mug apparently uh, available with our logo Ooh. on it. You go to shop. Let's actually go there, shop.category5.tv. And when you're there, there it is, shop.category5.tv. Go over to Category 5 Merch and Swag. swag. And when you click on Swag, you're going to see uh, anything that's available with our brand on it. There's the mug, coffee mug. It's got five out of five stars. Ooh. It's not $76. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You want to see this? Let's come back to this in just a second. Here's, here are the mugs that we're using tonight. Uh, These are the Studio D stackable mug sets, and (laughs) $73.50 is what they're charging. So you can can get one of those if you really want to. Uh, But let's go back to the one that's actually selling this week. Uh, There it is. Okay. And I have no idea why they're doing that. Check this out. Okay, so what people have been doing is going here, and what have I done? There we go. Uh, And they're choosing this black color changing mug and it's actually a black mug that when you pour your hot liquid into it it turns white and reveals our logo That's amazing How cool is that I love it And that one's available for 16.99 US. Now what about the
2: green part does that the the like the technology and the five does that disappear when the mug is black, or do you just see technology? Five? I don't know,
0: Jeff. I, you know, I haven't actually seen one of these mugs before. We're have to get uh. one, so we'll have to maybe order one for the studio here, or maybe we get one for each of the crew, or something like that. Sure. But, uh, but they've been selling off of our website, and it really caught my attention that uh, that they are color changing. I love that. How cool is that? It reminds me of, do you remember when Pantages Theatre had uh, in Toronto had the Phantom of the Opera and they sold a black mug and it was just a straight up black mug and when you poured your hot liquid into it, the black would fade away and the white uh, phantom mask would uh, be exposed. That was cool. cool.
1: That's, I
0: like It really reminds me of that. Yes. So, But that's got our logo, so check that out. Uh, Shop.category5.tv for all the merch and then uh, we've got those... Available there for seventeen bucks. How cool is that? That's awesome. Jeff is here in the studio. I wanted to catch up with you a little bit, my man, because uh, last time you were here, we were looking at uh, that new computer that you put together. Yes. Uh, yeah. It looked pretty sweet. How are things going with that so far?
2: They're now good. Okay. Yeah. It took me. Uh, I'm gonna say about four days to get the uh, to get a, a solid state drive in there to get the operating system installed. I was running into an issue where I couldn't get into the bios and i couldn't uh, set up the dual boot. Every time it booted it was going directly into linux and it was i was pulling my hair out because uh, i'm mean, hmm. you know i'm doing the delete, the f11, f12, f2, all the keys i can think of.
0: It <laughs> didn't have like a post screen that told you hit press nope. delete to enter nope. the bios. No, apparently
2: that's one of the things with Windows 10. Uh, because I installed Windows 10 oh, first so and like then EFI put in into TAY. So with Windows 10, they don't have that screen that pops up with the BIOS, and turns out it was the uh, delete key. It was. Yeah. Pretty
0: default. Okay. Yeah. So you got it in there. You've got Windows 10, and you mentioned
2: Linux. So yes. What's, what's the story? Yeah. So I've got a dual boot system. uh tons of software being put in there. My kids are enjoying all the retro games from like the 90s that I've got stacked away in boxes with CDs and everything, which is awesome. What? But yeah, yeah, yeah. But within the first week yeah. uh, of using it, uh, my screen goes red. And I'm really? like, what is this red screen? Yeah. Turns out it's the new blue screen of death, but it's red. <laughs> <laughs> the color of blood. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it has yes. to do with your video card uh, and Windows really? 10. So if, okay. the, if there's an issue with Windows 10 and the video card, you get the red screen of death. So I, I've, I've had new Windows 10 for a week, and I have the red screen of death. So I was just just fuming. Really? Because I want something stable and solid. So, well,
0: why'd you install Windows 10 then, Jeff? Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it?
2: Uh, because, You've got Linux on there. I do have Linux on there, but some of the software that my wife needs to use for her business is Windows-based. You know what? That's important for us to note is Jeff's talking about dual
0: booting. Mm -hmm. You're getting taller.
1: My chair is just ridiculous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dual booting allows you, you know, there's this fear of maybe switching from Windows to Linux because maybe you've never tried it or maybe you've heard that some of your applications aren't going to work, like Jeff's wife, apparently. Um, So nice thing about dual booting is if Windows is already installed, you can then install Linux as well and it becomes a side-by-side installation. So then when you turn on the computer, it says, do you want Windows or do you want Linux? And then you can choose. So you can use Linux for all the, stuff that Linux is known for, like surfing the web without the fear of viruses and things like that, and getting used to some of the alternate uh, applications that are available on the Linux platform. And then if you absolutely need it, you can reboot back into Windows. And I I suppose that's kind of how you're going to play some of those old games as well, right? Maybe DOSBox on Linux would be another way because some of them would be like a DOS game. Because yep. these probably predate Windows as well. Some of them. Uh, I
2: know I have some. Yeah, that some that of them classic. do. Uh, I do have a couple that are on floppy. That I'm going. What like? What do you do with those? Yeah, I can't use
0: them. You, you'll be the one guy who seriously goes out and buys uh, a floppy drive. Uh, I in this in this I day. I did and age.
2: think about it. Yeah, I, I contemplated it, but I'm like, no, I just I can't. I can't do that. I think that at
0: at that point, if I had old retro stuff that I really wanted, unless it was something personal that I really wanted to recover, like old pictures or something like that, then I would buy like a USB floppy drive. But if it was just games or something, I think that you'd probably find that it's abandonware. You could find it as a download online. And at least you know, okay, look, I actually own a copy of the the thing. So I'm not bootlegging or making illegal copies. I own it. I'm just, you know, it's a copy that I can, Right. Use. Then you yeah. want to watch out for viruses. So, but
2: otherwise, things. it's good. I mean, that system is just screaming fast. Sweet. I love it. Absolutely love it. Viewers
0: were letting us know uh, we were looking at that backplane on, yes. on the inside. It had yeah. two SATA headers, looked like some fan headers, and a Molex for power. And uh, one of our viewers mentioned that uh, looking at the front of the case, and we didn't actually look at the front of the case, but it looked like, and looking back at the video, I can see it as well, it looked like there might be some hot swap drive trays there. So oh, you can actually okay. set up, uh, potentially, and, and I'll get you to check this at home and then get back to us and let us know if this is the case. At the front, there were two red switches. And uh, the theory is, is that one of those switches, those switches are going to
2: allow you to eject a hot-swappable hard drive. Okay, the, the, the red switches, I wondered about them. Yep. They are stationary. They don't move. They're placeholders for another switch. So that could be the case. But why, so why the backplane? It doesn't make any sense. It's I gotta don't be. know. Are you sure? It's I'm, not a drive tray? It's not. It's Well, it might be a drive tray, but the red switches that are there, because yeah. I, I tried to move them. And when I looked at them through the, the chassis on the inside, yeah. they are in place. They're screwed in. They are a placeholder for a switch. So I'm sure oh. it, like something can be installed there. But uh, yeah. I wonder then if it's a backplane with, um,
0: with the ability to buy trays for it. Maybe you can buy hot swap trays for it. Could be. It's a great theory. I'd love to. I'd love to see this thing again and see if we can get into that and figure out what it is. You, you know, have lots I, of theories.
1: I thought I knew a lot about computers, and then I started working here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: I realized there's a lot more to computers than I. thought. Are you thought. having fun? You yeah. No, it? it's great. It's fun. It's a fun show. I love doing it. But it's just it's like there's a lot more than I thought I knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Sometimes we get a little bit <laughs> geeky around here, too. So that's rough on
1: you. <laughs> it's fun. It's great. It's a great time. I love it.
0: What about you? Are you enjoying the show? Or are you enjoying, you know, where are you at? We'd love to know where our viewers are at. If you are over-the-top geeky like myself, or maybe you're just learning your way uh, like Kelsey, or maybe you're where Jeff's at and just learning how to set up dual boot systems and, yeah. and uh, doing all that kind of cool stuff. Um, let us know. We'd love to know where our viewers are at. Yeah,
1: and actually speaking of viewers, viewers we would like to welcome our, a new viewer who we just started chatting with tonight USS Rover hey, yeah. who found us through Google so thank you Well, for way to go. Us.
0: Thanks for the referral Google.
1: Yeah. And, thanks. And uh, hey
0: USS Rover it's so nice to have you here all the way from Mars. <laughs> Didn't know we were viewed on Mars. That's
1: pretty cool. We need to update the viewer map a little bit. (laughs) A
0: little bit. We've (laughs) extended it into the galaxy. (laughs) Uh, We were talking a little bit about Microsoft, and uh, something that we often talk about here on the show is security, phishing scams, things that try to trick. Uh, people into revealing personal information. One of the classic scams is this Microsoft cold caller who will call you up at home and and say you know this is Microsoft calling and we detected that you've got a virus and if you'd like we can remote in and service your computer for you it's a free service and we'll take care of it blah 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 and you, you know you fall for it and then you've allowed this person, who is not Microsoft, into your computer. They remote in. They install all kinds of software that makes them the controller of your computer. uh, So they can install things that encrypt your files and then require ransom in order to get them back. uh, So you have to pay them. They could get in there and say, you know, a lot of times it's just the scam to get quick cash, and they'll say, okay, well, we need your credit card to authenticate your user account, and then they run up a $30,000 credit card bill. Who knows, right? So it's a scam. Damn. There's uh, a new one that's been going out, uh, around for the past couple of months that uh, that I've caught several times. And it's an interesting one because it comes in. It looks absolutely like a true form Microsoft email. And it's from Microsoft Support, from Microsoft.com. Everything about the email looks entirely legitimate. And uh, the email address is a Microsoft.com email address. The, uh, the links link out to Microsoft.com knowledge base articles and things. So it's very, very real looking yeah the logo's there everything so when you you know we've talked about you know click the link or don't click the links hover over the links and see where they're going to link to and make sure that it's uh it's actually the site that you think it is and so microsoft.com so the people that have developed this particular phishing scam know that people are privy to that information now so you're you're smart enough to know let's hover over all the links before clicking on them to see that it, in fact, goes to Microsoft.com. Right. So because they know that, they create all these links that are Microsoft.com. And so the average user is going to say, okay, this looks absolutely legitimate. Right. So they're going to possibly click some links and so on and so forth. And that's fine because it does take you to Microsoft.com. But what they've done is they've effectively created trust. From you sitting at your computer with this particular email. So how do they get you? Right in the footer of the email. So beyond all the information about your, you know, we we need information about your account because someone has compromised it, blah, 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 or whatever it is. Usually these are sent to businesses. And then in the footer, there's the name of the person, an email address that is a Microsoft.com email address, but it's probably not even real. And if it is, it's not the right person. Um, And then in big text is a phone number to call. That caught my eye because Microsoft is not notorious for giving out direct access phone numbers for us to call in order to get free support. It just doesn't happen, folks. So I decided to get into a reverse 411 lookup service and do a, a search on the particular phone number that was provided in this official looking microsoft email and turns out it was a marketing company in new york
1: oh
0: okay so when you think about all that we really have to be careful when it comes to these phishing scams because the people who are the scammers are smart they know what they're doing and they know what to do in order to trick you into thinking that this is a legitimate email all that to say be careful be careful folks yeah Kelsey, we've got to take a quick break.
1: Yes, we do, because it's already 20 after. What? (laughs) How did it happen?
0: After the break, we're going to be talking about logical volume management. We are going to be adding a 500 gig logical, well, actual physical hard drive to our logical volume group. That's a lot of space. So that we're going to extend our little 28 gig logical volume to 528 gigs.
1: Woo. don't go Thanks. anywhere
0: stick around Jeff Weston Yumma. you're building a brand new beautiful website what aren't you no am I oh, you're a terrible actor what that's where acting comes into play
2: oh I didn't know we were acting you're supposed to act okay fair enough All
0: yeah, right. I'm building a really cool website are you building a really cool website you need hosting one of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost for just $5 and a bit of change per month. You are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash DreamHost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find five dollars and change per month go to cat5.tv slash dream host welcome back this is category five technology tv i'm your host robbie ferguson
1: and i'm kelsey jensen hi kelsey hi robbie hi to you
0: hello nice to see you great to see everybody we've got viewer comments that have been coming in like crazy on our youtube account uh youtube page and you can find it at cat5.tv slash youtube that's our quick link to get Mm -hmm. you there uh, we have some comments that we can share tonight. Yes. Hi Rev Jank. Nice to see you.
1: Hello everybody. Um so the first one comes from I think it's C E E. It's there's a line
0: C128D.
1: C Yeah that. Uh, so this is for Jeff.
2: Yes. Oh is it for Jeff?
1: It's for Jeff. For I believe it
2: relates to the news from last week I think. Oh yeah. Read it angrily, Kelsey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for
2: this? I'm ready. Bring it on.
1: Petaflop isn't the name of the computer. It refers to how powerful it is.
2: Fist.
0: Ah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the, our drinks to splash everywhere.
1: Petaflop. I
0: laughed when you said petaflop. Oh, that's a dumb name for a server. <laughs> did I? <laughs> yeah, you did. I don't you kinda remember. Did. You kind of did.
1: A petaflop is a measure of a computer's processing speed, and can be expressed as a thousand trillion floating point operations per second. So, 93 petaflops equals 93 thousand trillion floating point operations.
2: You get all that, Jeff? I feel very educated, but remind me to get in arguments with you more often because that was very soothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thanks for the comment C128D. (laughs) Jeff called Petaflop the name of the server. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when you get into those kinds of speeds, when you've got a billion processors, you're not measuring anything in megahertz anymore.
2: I've never heard the phrase Petaflop before. No? No? I'm just too slow to operate that fast. (laughs) I'm like
0: 0.000000001 Petaflops. (laughs) Something like that. That's it. All right. Moving on. What do we got from Rawl? Hey, Rawl.
1: Rawl says.
0: Rawl has been uh, very active on our YouTube channel. Thanks, buddy. Nice to see you, and thanks for being a part of the community. Welcome. Make sure you jump into our uh, chat room at some point if you ever get a chance. It's Category 5 on Freenode. For those of you who don't know, or go to our website, Interact is the menu. You'll see our chat room there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dear Robbie. Yes? Many thanks for the wine 3264 answer. I I think I was saying that right, yeah? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, that was last week. We were talking about uh, making Wine uh, the, w- the ability to run Windows applications on Linux. Mm. 64-bit Linux defaults to 64-bit Wine. So then if you've got 32-bit Windows applications, they're not going to run properly, if at all. So we learned how to convert our Wine to be always 32-bit. All right. I say all that so that if you are interested in that, you can go back to episode number 457.
1: It really helps me. Awesome. By the way. Is there a particular reason to use Ubuntu instead of Point Linux or Debian, or is it just because of Ubuntu's popularity? I got curious on this one. Oh, once again, great show.
0: Thanks, Raul. Okay, so is there a reason to choose Ubuntu? I think that we should buy some boxing gloves, and all of us right here in the studio have a little bit of fisticuffs right now. And and maybe you could, Jeff, if you could be Debian. uh, or No, I'll be Debian. You be Ubuntu, and Kelsey, you be Point Linux. And we'll fight to the death. Fair because enough. That is essentially what you're asking me to do here. Um, everybody has their own, um, how do you say, their own preferences when it comes to the f- the flavor of Linux that they want to use. I'll tell you what I like. I like Debian. Point Linux and Ubuntu are based on Debian. Okay. So when when you install Debian, you can set it up however you want. Ubuntu. And Point Linux, two different distros based on Debian, have already done that for you. They've set it up the way that they think you might want it. And if you like the way Ubuntu does it, or you like the way Point Linux does it, it saves you some setup time. Point Linux, I uh, love the distro; it's fantastic. Um, but I do find that when it comes time to to upgrade, uh, now our demo system here is sorely out of date. Because of the fact that in order to upgrade to the latest version, I would have to basically wipe everything out, and that would take forever, and it's really, really tough for me here in the studio. Yeah. So, if you don't mind doing that, then maybe it's for you, and I do love it, I, don't get me wrong. Um, Ubuntu has a wonderful... Uh, release cycle so that you not only doesn't have long-term support so you've got about five years worth of support on a distribution that is called LTS so that means you can keep running it for five years and it will still not be out of date so to speak but the packages the program versions that are in that operating system do become obsolete compared to what is current right. that I don't like because but it's handy it can be handy ubuntu you can you can install it now and keep running it for the next four years and it's still secure it's still safe but if you use uh, open shot for video editing you're going to find huh i've got an old version a four-year-old version of OpenShot. maybe not that old maybe a year or two old so then you want to upgrade because it is so old and you want to get the newer right. versions. So I run into that with things that the kids want to use, like playing Mindtest, for example. Ubuntu is uh, quite often behind um, with the versioning of the game. And so, you know, we try to find compromises by using PPAs, uh, Personal Package Archives, I think it is. So it's like a dis- uh, repository created by an individual rather than a company, like Canonical.
1: Have you tried Linux Lite?
0: I have not. I have not, there are so many that I have not tried. Um, so Debian being the, kind of the core of both of those distros is you know my personal fave and uh, it's now what I'm running yesterday. I, yeah, yesterday or the day before, I installed Debian 8.5 on my work computer. Mm-hmm. Which uh, replaced um, Point Linux on that system, and I set up everything. And now that uh, Martin Wimpress uh, was on the show and talking to us about Ubuntu Mate, and talking to us about Compiz Reloaded, bringing Compiz back to um, back to active, basically, Compiz is the ability to do effects and zoom and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I decided, you know, what, I can do this myself. I don't need Point Linux to have Compiz. I can use comp is reloaded so there. so i can build it myself um so it's really a matter of preference there is no answer play enjoy set up a whole bunch of virtual machines and just try every distro that you can find that seems reasonably you know what you're looking for and that's going to give you a chance to really feel what each distro does differently i do like mate So Ubuntu Mate is a natural progression. But Point Linux also has Mate. That's what this is. So does Debian. Debian, one of the install options is Mate. So Debian core with Mate is perfectly great for me. And then install comp is reloaded, emerald, for nice themes and looks good. It all works. It all works. It all works. Screaming fast. It's amazing how uh, just refreshing your your operating system just takes it back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the the, uh, comments. Appreciate it. And the question. Cheers.
1: We have one more. One more. One more from Shine Shadow.
0: Hey, Shine Shadow.
1: Uh, This was on episode 256. 256? What? 456.
0: Yeah, that's... (laughs) <laughs> 256 I'm like what are you on about? That was 200 weeks ago. <laughs> oh boy. All right, moving on. All right. So this was 2 weeks ago, not two 200. Weeks ago. And 2 weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh Shine Shadow says great tutorial on LVM. I can't hey, wait till you have the show on how to expand your LVM by adding another hard drive. Ooh, spooky.
0: <gasps> That's trippy. <laughs> When we do that tonight.
1: I'm in the process of upgrading my home media center since we bought a house. This is my first bit stressful. Anyways, I'll be using Ubuntu, and I'll be using Ubuntu. And since your show on LVM was so intuitive, it's definitely a, the way to keep my 5,000 plus movie library dynamic with Plex. I should probably go with a RAID setup, but at the end of the day, I'm not made of money, and I can't really afford to double the eight terabytes of space I take up. Hmm. The way I see it, if one of the hard drives fail, It was meant to be. They're only movies. Looking forward to seeing how to expand the LVM when adding more drives. Great show. Thanks.
0: Okay. So you understand um, a lack of redundancy and the the fact that you could lose a lot of your files if you have a hard drive fail. I'd encourage you to check out a product called Unraid. And we have reviewed it here on the show and we've spoken with them on the show. That's what I use for my Plex media server. I love Plex. Uh, Jeff and I, we, we've talked about it today eh, about how, and you've yes. actually come over to my place to see our setup. I've got Unraid running uh, in the rough-in bathroom on a server with seven <laughs> hard drives. And the nice thing about Unraid is it does give you single drive fault tolerance. So if a single drive fails, you can replace it and you don't lose any of your files. Why that's important to me, Shine Shadow, is because even though you say you don't really care, fact is you've got an array that has 8 terabytes of space. I guarantee you, you are going to fall into... Saving your personal files onto that array. It's a lot of space. It's somewhere that you can drop it that is on a NAS share and it's convenient. So guaranteed it's going to happen. I don't want you to lose your family photos or videos. So please look into some redundant solutions. Uh, LVM as of the past uh, you know, few years has uh, also does provide mirroring like capabilities, but we are not getting into that tonight. But do know that there is a potential for that, uh, just a little bit more complex than setting up something like an Unraid server. Uh, so, looking at, uh, at your comments, thank you very much. Uh, glad that you're finding the series to be helpful. And uh, I think we should get right into it. I love what you're doing. And uh, tonight, we're going to learn how to expand the array that we've been working on. Right. So, what we've done is we've installed Ubuntu Mate, and we've installed it with LVM so that means we have a logical volume managed hard drive in that uh on that ubuntu mate computer Mm -hmm. so we have then taken that lvm and we've shrunk it down to give us enough space to do snapshots okay this has all been covered in the series make sure you go to our website category5.tv do a quick search for lvm and uh, you're going to find all the information that you need so now we're at the point where we say okay well our main Hard drive is an LVM volume, and uh, it is only 28 gigs in size. We want it to be bigger. So I've stuck a 500-gig hard drive in there. It's a blank hard drive. Keep in mind, it's blank. And uh, we're going to then extend our, uh, our actual logical volume, and I'm going to show you how to do that. So jumping over to Ubuntu Mate, let's do this. Here we go. We're going to jump into our terminal, and we want to take a quick look at a couple of things here. System tools, mate terminal. Now, keep in mind that we're using uh, Ubuntu Mate, but you can be using any uh, Linux distribution that has LVM installed, and you've set up your LVM, and we can tell that by going sudo display. Did I type that, type that right? Yeah. Okay, so here... Uh, just as a refresher, are our logical volumes. So we have uh, our root file system is 28 gigs, and then we have a swap file system, which is about a gig, okay? But that's it. So if I do df-h, which is short for disk-free space, if you will, you'll notice that we are already using 25% of our hard drive's uh, entire capacity on that Ubuntu Mate vg root logical volume so the size is only 28 gigs we're using 6.3 that gives us 20 gigs free that's not going to be a lot of space with room to grow so if we do a quick little check here um, and type um, sudo fdisk l that's going to give us a list of all the hard drives that are installed in our computer okay so we see things and we even see ram neat. Uh, But if we look, there's our SDA. This is a 40 gig hard drive, which is where our logical volume currently resides. And you can see that here. We've got Linux LVM as the main 39.5 gig partition. And then we now have dev slash SDB, which is a 500 gig hard drive, which I've simply plugged in. Before booting up the computer, so I haven't done anything to prepare this hard drive. It's just a brand new 500 gig hard drive, or it could be a used drive, or whatever you would want it to be something reliable uh, because you want it to be uh, because it's going to store some of your files. So we're going to hop into the newsroom. Jeff's got some great stories for us tonight. When we come back, we're going to take that 500 gig hard drive. We're going to actually make that a part of our logical volume. So we're going to end up not with a 28 gig root partition logical volume. Instead, we're going to have 528 gigs to work with.
1: It's a lot better than 28.
0: Oh, and it's only going to take a couple of moments. So you want to stick around, we're going to be looking more at LVM in just a couple minutes' time. Over to the newsroom.
2: Jeff Weston. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2016. Here are the stories we're covering this week. Some hear the term drone and think it's a payload as something dangerous, but what if drones were used to deliver or collect emergency relief materials and supplies? That's what's being tested in New Jersey. An AI-powered robot escaped from the Russian lab developing it twice. Star Trek Renegades has faced some devastating new rules from CBS. We'll tell you what this means for the fan-based Star Trek series coming up. A California woman is being awarded $10,000 from Microsoft because Windows 10 installed itself on her computer. And Boston Dynamics' dog-like robot has seen some major improvements, which make it quieter and even might be able to help out around the house with tasks like loading the dishwasher. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category 5.TV network by shopping at GearBest. That's
0: right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.TV slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well... Of course, I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because cap5.tv slash gearbest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock bottom prices.
2: Do they have cell phones?
0: You betcha. Cap5.tv slash gearbest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets.
2: What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift.
0: Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb.
2: Yeah. I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes?
0: Yep. Both men and women. Fashionable apparel at rock bottom. Super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than
2: $30 plus
0: free shipping at cap5.tv slash gear yeah,
2: All right. You kind of got me there.
0: Wow. Any other questions
2: for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season, do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness!
0: Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash gearbest.
2: See, that's easy cat5.tv slash gearbest. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Jeff Wesson and here are the top stories from the Category 5.tv newsroom. How to distribute life saving supplies quickly and safely after a natural disaster has long been a puzzle for responders. Now, drones might be the lifesaver. The idea was put to the test last week in New Jersey as a drone delivery service conducted test flights to help determine whether drones could be used to carry human medical samples to and from areas that cannot be accessed or communicated with during major storms, earthquakes, or other disasters. Experts say drones are becoming a more valuable tool in many humanitarian operations where the unmanned aircraft can be quickly launched and used to collect data and images to help locate people who might be injured or trapped. But Timothy Amukeli, an assistant professor of pathology at John Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, said the biological samples are not like a shoe or a book. They're pretty fragile items. Mr. Amukeli is acting as consultant to the company conducting the tests in New Jersey. He says, for example, if blood is being carried on the back of a motorcycle, shaking caused by the bike and its vibrations can ruin the sample. About 100 people looked on as drones flew Wednesday between an onshore medical relief company and a test facility on a vessel stationed in the Delaware Bay. They took medical supplies from the vessel to the medical camp, while blood and other medical specimens were flown between the sites. The test came a day after President Barack Obama's administration approved the routine use of small drones by real estate agents, farmers, filmmakers, and countless other commercial operations after Excuse me. After years of struggling to write rules that would both protect public safety and free the benefits of new technology, I like this. How cool! With all the natural disaster things that are happening across the world, this is a great option. I like the idea that we can use drones for this. I hope that the delivery method is quite smooth for those, uh, you know, gentle samples. Well, you know what? I think about a gimbal. For a camera
0: where, you know, even though the drone right. is going like this, the gimbal is nice and smooth. So what's to stop them from putting a gimbal on the on the box? Good question. I don't know.
2: But would a gimbal cover turbulent airspace? Like, would the gimbal be that correct? Have you ever been running down the
0: stairs and done a little trip while you're carrying a cup of coffee? Or driving with a cup of coffee and you hit a bump and you, your hand... Yes. absorbs that flow so that you don't, you know, like you just instinctually, you know, you Makes wouldn't want to spill your coffee. So if, if there was something like that, then why not? I, you know, I think it's
2: great. I, I love cool. this. I think it's totally cool. Speaking of cool, this story I absolutely love. A robot in Russia caused an unusual traffic jam last week after it, after it escaped from a research lab. And now the artificially intelligent bot is making headlines again after, after it reportedly tried to flee a second time. <laughs> Engineers at the Russian lab reprogrammed the intelligent masi- machine dubbed promobot IR-77 after last week's incident, but the robot recently made a second escape attempt. Last week, the robot made it approximately 160 feet to the street before it lost power and partially paralyzed traffic. Promobot, the company that designed the robot, announced the escapade in a blog post the next day. The Promobot was designed to interact with people using speech recognition, providing information in the form of an expressive electronic face, pre-recorded audio messages, and a large screen on its chest. Essentially, the thing kind of looks like Alfie. If it had an (laughs) Alfie from the 80s. (laughs) I'm picturing the... Hey! I'm up here. I'm up here. (laughs) Anyway, the company has said that the robot could be used as a promoter, administrator, tour guide, or concierge. Or a really big traffic pine cone. In its blog post, the company said it considers the escape a successful test of the machine's new navigation system because the robot didn't harm anyone and wasn't damaged during the getaway. Okay, so here's my take on the story. The company is called Promobot. The robot robot is Promobot IR-77. Interesting that this robot that's being tested for GPS navigation suddenly escapes twice. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know... (laughs) playing going on here, but at the same <laughs> time there's a part of me that's going, somebody contact Will Smith because the robots are escaping and not listening to the commands of their owners. No word yet if as he escaped he yelled I'm full. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, But the thing kind of looks like a cross between <clears throat> the Alfie unit from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Remember Robbie?
0: Rob? I could
2: never forget Robbie. Oh, well, right. yeah, You're, you're sitting looks, across yeah. from me. No, and but <laughs> the ro- Robbie the robot. I don't remember Robbie, really? but I remember oh. Alfie. It looks like a merge between Alfie and Wally. Maybe
1: I'm I'm looking at that and I'm seeing uh, the Honda Asimo.
2: Sure, yeah. as well. Yeah. I just I think it's funny. 2 weeks ago it was robots taking our jobs in the healthcare profession. Now we've got robots that are escaping and blocking traffic.
1: Stop making AIs. Uh, <laughs> That's well, my only you know thought. what?
2: It could have been worse. They could have programmed it with
0: uh, Microsoft's AI. It's true. Then it you just get a red really screen worse. of death.
2: Yeah. All right, devastating news for Star Trek Renegades backers. On Thursday, CBS and Paramount issued fan film guidelines that's put an immediate halt to all things Star Trek on the Renegades set. The new fan film guidelines found on Star Trek.com state several rules which seem to be targeted specifically at Renegades. For example, the fan film was, must not be longer than 15 minutes in length must not pay its actors or crew, and must not contain any actors who formerly worked on the Star Trek set. It also stated that a fan film is not allowed to make profit, and if fundraising is used to fund the project, no more than $50,000 may be raised. In comparison to the new rule, the Renegade's pilot episode alone raised three hundred seventy-five thousand and thirty-eight dollars And featured a cast jam-packed with Star Trek actors that we know and love. In a statement sent to Star Trek Renegades backers on Friday, the Renegades team said, "...we at Renegades have nothing but the utmost respect for Star Trek and its IP holders, CBS and Paramount. Everything we have done has been because of Gene Roddenberry's vision and creativity. Star Trek is their property, and we will absolutely abide by their rules and guidelines." Now, feeling obligated to their donors and fans, the Renegades team decided that it's moving forward, uh, but will and will continue to make the requiem as promised, but without any Star Trek elements. Uh, okay, how do you take a show that's got spaceships flying around space, Federation spaceships, at that Federation spaceships with various alien cultures that are resolving conflicts and then take all of those elements out and create a movie with spaceships in space with alien cultures that are resolving conflicts.
0: Yeah. In Gene
2: Roddenberry's universe. I I just... It's tragic. I don't... I don't know how they're going to be able to pull this off. Kudos to them if they can make it happen. But to do it without any Star Trek elements, and especially considering that... like. Everything about this screams needing to have Star Trek. Well, you know what,
0: Jeff? What what really troubles me about the like what's so sad about this, a big part of all the fundraising for the first episode, the pilot was let's get Star Trek props yeah. manufactured for this movie. So all yeah. of the communicators, all of the weapons, they're all Federation style devices. Everything about it, the sets, everything. They invested so much money so that moving forward, this investment would pay off because then they can, we already have all those things. Right. Now they're being told, okay, well, you can't, it it can't be branded to Star Trek at all. It can't have any Star Trek paraphernalia. And with the Requiem, we're talking, they've got like 10 other Star Trek actors, Mm -hmm. including some big names that are gonna, you know, that were potentially gonna really. Uh, Jonathan Franks
2: was in it, wasn't he? Was he, or, or was he in Renegades? I don't think so.
0: I don't think Jonathan was, but no? uh, and that's Will Riker. But yeah, uh, but there are a number of uh, people from Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. uh, a number of people from Voyager, of course, mm-hmm. um, and a growing cast from the original series. I
1: just, I think it's weird because, it, as far as I know, this is the only series, or book, or movie, or TV show that has placed these kinds of guidelines. For their fans
0: oh you could never ever do it with star wars anyways
2: no period not with star wars definitely but, not but at least at least up until the
0: friday thursday cbs studios and paramount said it was okay or at least stood back and let it happen and didn't press charges and take people to court over yeah. it right See, it at makes least that me was wonder if
2: if something has happened to cause them to go Oh, we might be in trouble here because I mean, like they are working on their new TV show,
0: Uh, and that's exactly what's happened in Toronto.
2: Yeah, but it's a totally different feel. Like I was reading an article the other day, and they're saying that the new show is going to be raunchy and Game of Thrones esque. Like, so are we talking about nude Star Trek being put on TV? And and if that's the case, I can't see the Requiem is going to have anything like like it's two different markets.
1: It wouldn't like. Something like Requiem just boost publicity, and like, wouldn't it make it so you that think,
0: it, it keeps the fans happy? Yeah,
1: because there's nothing. Because like, I mean, not a lot of fans. I mean, people like the new movies, but I'm I've heard that a lot of fans aren't too happy with the the current the current those current Star Trek the new Where ones. Where they're going with we, it? With the well, new we don't ones. know enough about it. Like the new, the new, the past two movies that they made with Jamie
0: Haynes. Oh, okay. Well, movies are separate. They're paramount. But CBS is the television series. So they've got the new television series, but there hasn't been anything for years. So, you know, all these fan television series, so so to speak. Now, what what
2: if they made a web series? Would that get them around the rules? No,
0: that's the thing. It is a web series. That's it. They tried, they pitched it to CBS. So CBS knows everything that they're doing. Right. But. They were rejected and now shut down, basically. So yeah, it is a web series. It's available for yeah. free on YouTube, and you can watch it there. But um,
2: Still, not anymore. That's at least not
0: as Star Trek.
2: Yeah, that's we'll see what happens. All right. All right, moving on. Microsoft has agreed to pay a Californian woman ten thousand dollars U.S. after an automatic Windows Ten update left her computer unusable. Terry Goldstein said her Windows 7 computer had automatically tried to update itself to Windows 10 without her permission. She said the update had made her machine unstable, leaving her unable to use it to run her business. Microsoft said that it dropped its appeal to save on legal costs. Microsoft has been aggressively pushing the latest version of its widely used operating system, which is currently available as a free download for computers running Windows 7 and 8. However, many people have chosen not to upgrade because they're running old hardware. Uh, they have software that doesn't run on Windows 10, or are concerned over the software's tracking features or simply just don't want it. In February, the the company bundled Windows 10 with its security updates and made it a recommended update, which which meant it was automatically downloaded and installed unless blocked by the user. Some people accuse the company of trying to trick customers into installing the update. The Seattle Times reported that Miss Goldstein's computer had slowed to a crawl after the update, and Microsoft customer support had not fixed the problem. Why does Microsoft feel the need to impose themselves on everybody? But they're doing it for free. No, they uh, most certainly not. Okay, I, I realize they're getting money out of it, but. But, like, honestly, they're like a bad virus that just won't go away.
1: It's all about the dollar, dollar, dollar bills.
0: There's our T-shirt for the day. <laughs> not, not the dollar bills. <laughs> Microsoft, the virus that won't go away. So <laughs> <That>. sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: so frustrating.
0: I'll tell you a sad story. Uh, upgrading to Windows 10 cost $400 here. Oh. Because we pay for bandwidth, and Microsoft rolled it out on our system, right. and the bill came, and it was $400 higher than <sighs> previous months. I think you should contact Microsoft and
2: tell them to pay the bill. Pay the bill. Pay the bill, Microsoft. Wow. You virus that won't go away. That's crazy. Okay, Boston Dynamics' latest robot appears to be designed to help in the kitchen, as they made a video showing the robot loading a dishwasher. The robotics business, which owns uh, is owned by Google's parent Alphabet, has created a dog-themed machine that replaces the liquid-powered pistons of earlier designs with an all-electric system. As a consequence, Spot Mini's engineers say it's one of the quietest bots they have ever built. This thing does not look like a dog, though. If I had a dog that looked (laughs) like that... It's like a dog slash some kind of raptor kind of thing with a... Without
1: a neck. With a
2: long neck. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a a dog out of an alien movie or something that's been taken over. I don't know
1: about you guys, but I want 12.
2: (laughs) You want (laughs) 12? You want 12?
1: I want... I want one.
2: Those are cute. They're
1: cute. I like it.
2: But really, loading the dishwasher—that's its only function. Oh, Jeff, come on now. I have kids for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't want to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I pay them. This one does it without complaining. I suppose that's true. Yeah, but
2: how? Like, you, don't,
1: you don't have to pay this one.
2: Yeah. I have to buy <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, $10 billion.
2: Dollars. What, what if it decides to become a promo bot and escape into the road and become like a traffic pylon? Well, we know what happens then. Yeah, exactly. All right, big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, vis- visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston.
0: Thanks, Jeff. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson.
1: And I'm Kelsey Jensen.
0: Kelsey, our website is www.category5.tv. Yes. Go there. Yeah. Check it out.
1: We've got like affiliate links where you can buy you sure stuff do. through them.
0: Visit and our partner links, and that's to help help that helps support the show, helps support the network, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but also, we've got, well, now 458 episodes of Tech TV
1: that's sort of incredible.
0: It's available for you absolutely free. You've got some binge watching to do, folks.
1: Just a little <laughs> bit 458 hours of binge
0: At least that because sometimes we go over and very rarely do we go under. Yeah. It is uh, getting late. It and is. speaking about going over. I tonight we're looking at expanding or extending if you will our LVM Volume. Do you think it can be done in six minutes? We can try. It really could. Now, but I want to explain things a little bit slower than that, but it could actually be done in that amount of time. You won't believe how easy this is. Do keep in mind that this can be destructive on the hard drive that you're uh, adding to the, uh, to the system, so watch out for that. But let's, uh, let's make it happen. All right. So back over to our uh, our Ubuntu Mate system that has LVM installed. There's our 500 gig hard drive that we've added to the system. And if we look at our uh, disk free, dash H means human readable format. If I didn't put the dash H, it would just be a bunch of numbers. So dash H gives me the human readable format, which is in gigabytes and megabytes and a lot easier to understand. Um, So 20 gigs free uh, on our current uh, logical volume. OK, for the root. So what we want to do is we want to take that uh, dev slash SDA, or SDB, pardon me, SDA is already in there, uh, and add it as a uh, as a physical volume to our volume group. So let's, uh, let's make this happen, see how easy this is. So we're, again, going to use tools that we've been playing with um, throughout the course of this series. First of all, we need to become super user, so sudo. And we're going to go PV display. I want to show you the physical volumes in our uh, in our system right now so right now we have pv or physical volume dev slash sda5 okay and then we have vg which is volume group uh, ubuntu mate or mate dash vg And then our physical volume size is 39.5 gigs and so on and so forth and all that kind of stuff. All right. So now what we need to do is we need to create another physical volume or add, um, convert our new 500 gig gig hard drive into uh, physical volume for our logical volume. And I know that it sounds crazy. Okay. I know that a lot of the things that I'm saying and I'm, I'm moving quick and I understand that and it can be a little overwhelming sometimes but try to follow along and if you have any questions please email us live at category5.tv or get into the chat room and Kelsey's trying to watch that with all the stuff flying by Uh, but we understand that and we acknowledge that and and we're here to help and provide this uh, as a free service to you so I hope that this helps and I hope it is understandable for those of you who have been following the series some of these things like PV and LV uh, they all start to make sense because you've been following the series but uh, I know it's a little Overwhelming when, when it's new to you. Uh, play around on a virtual machine and it's going to be a lot safer. That way you can add uh, virtual uh, hard drives. Okay, so we need to use physical volume create and we're going to do this on dev sdb. Now, how do I know that? Well, remember we went before the news, we went sudo fdisk l and we found that our 500 gig hard drive is dev slash sdb. That, of course, is fdisk-list. Okay, so now we want to create a new physical volume on dev slash sdb. So we're going to go sudo for super user do. We're going to become the root user for a moment. pv create, physical volume create, dev slash sdb. And that's all there is to it. It's done. Okay, not the whole process, but it is now a part of our physical volume group. So, again, if we we type sudoi, no, sudo pv display which we just did before. You remember that it was just the one, uh, the one drive. Now we have a second physical volume. It's called a new physical volume, and it is 500 gigs okay so it is not yet a part of our logical volume group if we do uh, df-h we see that our hard drive still only has 20 gigs free so we need to actually make this a part of our group so what we need to do is we need to extend our volume group to include this drive so we're going to go sudo vg extend for volume group extend and then we're going to say the name of the volume group that we want to add it to. So this is ubuntu-mate-vg. And again, you get that with uh, sudo space lv display for logical volume display, space slash dev slash sdb. So we are now becoming superuser sudo. We are using the VG extend command for volume group extend. And we're going to extend onto the ubuntu-mate-vg volume group this drive, dev slash sdb, which we have already prepared as a physical volume for logical volume management. Hit enter, and it has been extended successfully, okay? So now, if we type sudo lv display, you'll notice that we still only have a 28 gig volume, okay? But you notice how fast this is going? Well, why hasn't it changed? Because, that's the question you were going to ask, right? Yes. We've added it to the logical volume group, but not yet to the logical volume. Okay, So if we now want to, now now we know that that's part of our logical volume group, so we can go sudo LV extend, so logical volume. Notice that we're using LV instead of VG. Logical volume extend. And this time we know that it's a 500 gig drive, so we're going to go dash L, and it's a capital L, not a lowercase l plus 500 gig G, so plus 500 G. So that's saying we're gonna take 500 gigs and add it because we have that much space that we now have free on our logical volume group. So let's see if we can see that LV, um, LV, uh, scan I think might show me. No, that doesn't show me. Pseudo LV display doesn't show me. I'm going to come up with the command. I forget the command that shows me where that 500 gigs is. I know that we've added the 500 gigs, so we know that we have that in our logical volume. The, the command uh, evades me, eludes me, but maybe you can tell us in the chat room if you remember. OK, pseudo, so what we're doing now is adding the space to our logical volume, lv extend dash l plus.
1: What does, what does the l do?
0: Uh, that's telling it that we're extending it to this amount of space. Okay. A lowercase l would be used if you wanted to uh, ex- expand it, extend it over a percentage of the space. But because I know that it's a 500 gig volume, right. I can do uh, dash L with a capital L plus 500 gig G And that will take that whole hard drive, basically, and extend onto that. Um, Lowercase l, I could say 100%. But if I say 100%, so dash lowercase l space plus 100%, now we're going to lose the space that we created last week for our snapshots. So we don't want to do that, because then we would lose all that extra space. OK. OK. So if I jump back. Over here, and so now we've done, we've got that, sudo LV extend dash capital L plus 500G, and then just simply the actual logical volume, not the group, so Ubuntu dash Mate dash VG, that's the group, and then root is the actual volume, okay? So we hit enter, and now it's extending and extended, and it's already done. That's all it took, so 528 gigs. So now if I type, sudo, there we go, LV display. Now, okay, we still have our one gig swap, and then we have, there's our dev slash Ubuntu Mate dash VG slash root, and it is now 528 gigs.
2: Now, Robbie, you asked in the chat room if anybody remembered the command. Um, Albert R is saying LVS command. Rev is saying PV display.
0: Let's try PV. Uh, It it just, you know when when you've written a word a couple times and then it just, for some reason, you forget how it was spelt? So last week I used the command to show us the free space, and so that we when we did the snapshot. So refer back to episode 457, and you'll see the command, and it'll come back to me as soon as we sign off tonight. Of course, <laughs> and that's just the Pretty way much. that's just the way it is. It's a lot. It's a lot to cover in a in a one hour show, but um, uh, so PV display is only going to show us the physical volumes. It doesn't show us how much space is used or free on those. And uh, LV display is going to show us the logical volumes as assigned, but not the free space. So, uh, LV scan doesn't do it. Total. That gives us a little bit more information, PV scan. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there, really. Uh, what you can see is that we have, in fact, extended our logical volume as we want it, LV display. And there it is. So now we have... Apparently a 528 gig logical volume. So does anyone remember how we now check our free space? Give you a hint. Disk free. DF. Pseudo. Or not even pseudo. DF dash H. Show our hard drive space. It was. Uh, oh, ha! <laughs> look at that. What do you see? Twenty gigs. It's not there. We know that the logical volume is 528 gigs. I'm glad that I've missed a step. Because then because this is gonna happen to you, and you're gonna say, why is it still only 20 gigs free? We need to take one final step. We need to actually expand that. You mm-hmm. remember the command? Uh, we learned it last week. sudo resize to fs and then the actual volume group. Watch this. dev ubuntu mate slash vg slash root. Hit enter. Now it's going through, and it's actually extending onto the hard drive. There we go. The moment of truth. Now that we've done it, df-h, there it is, 492 gigabytes. Of free space. And now we are only using 2% on our volume group. Pretty good. There you have it. You notice that I did not have to unmount the file system in order to do this. Mm -hmm. Beautiful thing about LVM you're working on a server, you don't want to have to shut down, but you need to add some space. There you go. It does it live on the fly. Mm -hmm. But that's all the time that we have for tonight, but we've covered a lot. It's been a lot of fun having you here. Um, And before we go. Oh, before we go. I have a question. You do? Oh, Oh, well, you know what? I will open the floor
2: to questions as we wrap up our show This relates to the LVM as it comes to a dual boot. Yes. So when I went to install Matea on my system with the dual boot, I wasn't able to enable the LVM because it detected a secondary operating system. Mm. Is there a reason for that? Or is there a way around it?
0: A second hard drive would do it. But the problem you're probably encountering is you're trying to create a physical volume. But your physical volume is the drive itself. Okay. You can create logical volumes within a physical volume, but because your physical volume already has windows on it, if you create a physical volume to use for LVM, you're going to wipe out windows. Right. right. So if smartly, the Ubuntu installer has said, whoa, hold on, don't want to do that.
2: So that if That's you're going to be, be doing
0: an LVM, it can't be
2: with a dual boot system is what
0: we're like. It could be, uh, but you may, I have never tried that, Jeff, but you may okay. have to put it on a separate physical disk. Okay. So you could take Windows and have it on uh, a particular hard drive right. and then have Linux on another hard drive. You can dual boot by partition or by uh, hard drive. So you could have a second SSD or maybe use uh, a little bit of space, to create a partition about, I don't know, 200 gigs on your f- spinning drive and use that for Windows. Right. That would be an option for you. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Any other questions? Chat room? Final chance? Final chance? What do we got, Kels?
1: Um, we have category5.tv.
0: Oh, she's got, she wants <laughs> to throw that out there. I got it. I saw a question. Rev Djank had something for us.
1: PV display? No? He's looking for the thing. Oh, right. That question.
0: <laughs> she, she even wrote it down, I Rev. Did.
1: It's <laughs> on, my, it was on the other sheet. Um,
0: At 8 o'clock, brains turn off.
1: Apparently. I forget
0: commands. She forgets that she made notes.
1: <laughs> Will LVM snapshots help against ransomware attacks? No. All right, well, that's all the time that we have tonight.
0: (laughs) Understand, Rev, the nature of a snapshot is only to take a picture of the hard drive so that you can back it up. If you don't back it up, you have done nothing of any value. Okay? So by creating a snapshot, yeah, we're going to cover this on an upcoming show. We're going to use our diff backup, and we're going to be able to create an untouchable backup that can be uh, incremented in such a way. We talked about it on the show. I think it was you, Jeff, that was here. We talked about being able to go back in time. Mm -hmm. We're going to be creating that kind of a backup set. So the the snapshot itself does nothing to protect you from things like CryptoLocker or other ransomwares or encryption viruses. What it does is it allows you to then create a backup that is persistent, that is uh, able to happen on the fly. And that backup, if done correctly, is what's going to protect you against those kinds of things. Okay? We're going to cover that on a future show. Don't lose track of what snapshots actually do and what LVM is. And if you have questions or if something isn't clear, I try to cover it all and I try to make it understandable. But it is geeky as heck.
1: Yes. That's our Um,
0: other shirt tonight.
1: Good guy, I need his question. Hey, good guy. I'm waiting for it to come in, though.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I have a question. (laughs) All right, so...
1: All right, so in the meantime... (laughs) category5.tv <laughs> is a member of the tech podcast network if it's tech it's here category cat5.tv slash tpn and the international association of internet broadcasters cat5.tv slash i i a i b thanks kals the question is here
0: fantastic okay what is the question you put a lot of faith in the chat room just be like okay there's a question we know what's coming we have no idea what it is it's probably to do with something dirty <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so it's starting.
0: Not that you do that, good guy. I know.
1: No. I used to be a main f- a mainframe programmer and used a program named InfoSelect on the PC. It allowed me to write random notes full of command command Fs, etc. Or I think it's just commands, etc. It auto-indexed every character of a note.
0: So you can search it?
1: I'm waiting for more to come in. Oh, okay. It's coming in parts.
0: <laughs> you know, you're just, you're holding up the end of the show here. Type faster, man.
1: <laughs> We're just waiting. I have a note, Windows software, any Linux program like that.
0: I don't actually understand quite what you mean.
1: Search. You can search. search. You, can. you can search it.
0: So this is notes that are searchable? Windows software. Oh, do you have any